1: Hello Bulls fans and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ, thank you for joining me again this week as we take you through the latest news, analysis and game action surrounding our Chicago Bulls and I know it's been a while since you've last heard my voice which I'm sure you didn't necessarily miss anyway but just as a way of an explanation I guess, I've had a bit of a month off here just to just because life has sort of got, it, got in the way and I've been planning my wedding, which is actually coming up pretty pretty soon, so that's actually starting to freak me out, but that has been taking up a lot of my time, but that hasn't necessarily stopped me from watching and following the Bulls, I've been watching these games, I've been putting myself through the, all this nonsense, for whatever reason, we as fans do all this, but really, if I'm being honest, I, I probably still could have podcast during the last month or so, so it's probably been a month since I last did a show, but if I'm being honest, I just couldn't be bothered committing to my time podcasting about this team given how shambolic things have been and, and I'd imagine the interest in the team among among the fan base and those who consume Bulls based podcasts is probably at an all-time low so I decided to take some time off but I'm back now at least for this week and there's been a lot that sort of happened since we last spoke so I won't necessarily go back over and cover things that happened three weeks ago Instead I'll focus on the most recent news over the last week and the last the last week of games and, and that sort of thing and and joining me today to talk bulls is a guy who in my absence I know for sure had you covered in terms of bulls podcasts. This dude along with his partner Matt Peck, they are super prolific in terms of bulls podcasts. No one puts out more content than these guys. I'm referring to Jordan Malley who joins me. He is the host of the Locked On Bulls podcast. Jordan, thanks for joining me, mate.
0: Absolutely, this has been this has been a long time, and you know, over Locked On Bulls, we haven't had you on in a long time. It's been long overdue. But thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, no problem, man. I was thinking about it actually. How many times we have chatted in the past? And I, I actually remember that I'm pretty sure back in the Debatables days, I think I did a show with you in Matt's absence. I think Matt may have been away one time, and I think I jumped on then. But I've I've, I've definitely been on Locked On before. But I'm pretty sure I haven't had either yourself or Matt on before. So good to have a bit of a crossover crossover episode here
0: no legitimately my memory is good enough that when i started the the debatables the first time i was by myself and you were the first person i ever had on really the very first (laughs) guest i ever had on and funny enough you were the first and matt was the second guest i ever had on that show when it very first started So, like, going backtracking through those episodes, I still have the log of all of that. You were the first, Matt was the second. So, it's kind of funny how the circle, like, the circle of Bull's Twitter and the Bull's life uh, kind of finds itself all the way back. But thanks for having (laughs) me on. This is
1: awesome. I appreciate you jumping on, mate. But my first question for you is I, I just want to get your insight because for me, it's been about a month since I've last done a show and I've had a bit of an absence here and I sort of felt guilty for doing so, hence why I decided to jump back on and, and, and thanks for jumping on with me. But I just want to know, how the hell do you guys manage to say, uh, stay sane after recording five podcasts a week about this team? I I want to say you guys are legends for doing so, but I'm I'm starting to think maybe you're just clinically insane. <laughs> how do you guys do it?
0: Hi... <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> I I tell people all the time when they ask me, you know, my friends who don't follow this team as closely as I do, you know, they work in other industries and they don't, you know, they're casual fans in Chicago here. They like sports, but obviously don't work in sports or didn't graduate with a sports degree. I tell them, like, I wake up and the the marketing slogan for the Bulls see red is is so true is so true when you're a bulls fan but you also are trying to break into the industry and cover this team i don't know we wake up every day and there's a new news story you know there's something every single day and this this season is is so true to that like have you like if you can think back to your fandom with this bulls team can you think of a season where there's been a news story about something with this team almost every single day like i can't i can't think of anything
1: no, and I mean, that's actually a good point because I forgot to add this to my rundown, but literally only like an hour before we started recording this show, the Bulls were involved in a trade for another, or another trade, I guess, centered around cash consideration. So to your point, there is literally news every single day about the Bulls doing something, whether it's a trade or it's some sort of transaction, some sort of off-court drama. There's a lot of that this season, and to, to be fair, there's been a lot of it over the last few years but like literally before we started recording this the Bulls traded um that or they they received I guess Timothy Lawawu Kabaro from the OKC Thunder for cash considerations and in doing so waived Bulls legend Camelo Anthony so to your point there's literally news every day
0: it's kind of crazy what do you think about him like obviously out of any of those scrap heap guys from OKC like Terrence Ferguson would have been a guy I would have been all right with. Like, Hamido Diallo would have been another guy I would have been like, okay, like, even if we had to give up a little bit to get any of either one of those guys, and then then Luawo, like, I was like, all right, like, he's probably not going to be around. Like, this is just a salary dump. I get it. Kind of roll my eyes. But the positive silver lining, if you can find anything at all, at all in this deal is at least we don't have to watch Shaq Harrison play the wing position in Jim Boylan's rotation, but I shouldn't hold out any hope because with Jim Boylan's rotations, you you never really know, right?
1: Yeah, I was thinking about this too, and look, to be honest with you, TLC was a guy that I really liked in the draft coming in. I think the 2016 draft, which is the same time when Denzel Valentine was taken, and he was a guy I was considering for the Bulls at 14. Obviously, the Bulls took Valentine, but... I liked him as a prospect then, but he hasn't really come on in the NBA, in the uh, in the NBA rather at all. So, uh, look, I I don't think he's going to play much at all. And to your point that you know maybe Boylan leans on him rather than Shaq Harrison, I I actually don't see that. I think Harrison, maybe apart from Archie Diakono, is is the type of player that Boylan just can't help himself but to play. So, even if the Bulls trade for these sort of wings that potentially could be something, probably won't be. I don't know if Boylan's likely to play them at all. We only just recently saw Brandon Sampson get in the game against the Heat the other day. And he actually looked quite intriguing. And I was wondering the whole time, why, why haven't we seen this guy come up from, from the uh, from the G League a little bit more often and actually play on the wing, whereas you know the Bulls are forcing Shaq Harrison to be a small forward sometimes. But I don't think TLC is going to crack the rotation. I, I could be wrong. Maybe he shows something, but I think Boylan's going to continue to lean on someone like Shaq Harrison, even though he can't necessarily play it at small forward.
0: That's crazy to me. Like, this is the yeah, only other too, guy, man. especially with Chandler Hutchison going down with that injury. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on all the injuries that have happened to this season. But that's crazy to me when he's really the only wing. And I guess you can you can categorize a guy that's 6'6", is like a combo guard wing, like shooting guard wing. Even for the last 30 games, like just throw him out there and see what you got in him. I know that the guys on Twitter were explaining to me that the only thing that the Bulls could do, even if he does play well in these last 30 games, is offer him a max of $2.5 million at the end of the season. So to me, I just, I don't know. Like watching Shaq Harrison try to play the three at any point in any of these games just makes absolutely no sense to me.
1: Oh, look, I. I've been on that bandwagon for a while. I completely agree. He's, de- he's definitely not a small forward. He's he's barely an NBA rotational backup guard. So to see him and look it's not fair on on Shaq Harrison either to to ask right. him to guard small forwards or to be a a, a makeshift small forward. That's it's not necessarily fair on the guy either. Like he's just trying to establish his career as well. He's obviously a, a I don't know if he's a point guard or a shooting guard. He's depending on his flaws and and the matchup that will ultimately de- determine what position he's probably better suited for in that moment. But he's definitely not a small forward. But that's why I've really fallen in love with Wayne Selden, and I think I think he's just been absolutely fantastic for the Bulls. And that's been actually a really good, legitimately, legitimately good pickup rather for the Bulls. And and Selden has been huge for this team. But yeah, without without Chandler Hutchinson, he is literally the only. I guess, I don't even know if, if, if Seldon is a small forward. He's probably better, better suited to shooting guard, but he's playing small forward and he's doing a pretty damn good job of it of late. But to your point, the Bulls just don't really have a natural three on this roster. I want to
0: know if it's going to last with Seldon too, because I was looking back at Memphis, you know, when he, he arrived in Memphis, there was that stretch of time that he played. I, think, I don't know if it was last year, if it was two years ago, um, where he kind of went off. Between February and March, where he was just draining buckets and playing really good defense, and I'm like, "Is this gonna last? Is what is he?" And at Kansas, he was really good at Kansas. You know, you know, it was Seldon time, and Uncle Anthony was there cheering Wayne Seldon on, and it was he was a media sensation, and then got to the NBA, and it was like, okay. Pretty good at Kansas, but not really figuring it out at the NBA level. And now he's here, likes Chicago, seems like the confidence boost has helped. But yeah, like what I saw in Miami, and now since he's gotten here, gotten some time, stacking games in every minute that I see from him, seems like that's been more and more of a steal. And that Holiday trade, too, which, you know, Bulls fans, help me out here. Like, stop slandering Justin Holiday, because I don't care what he did in a Bulls uniform. The man gave us two second-round picks and Wayne Seldon. Like, forget the front office for a second. I'm with every Bulls fan that hates them. Like, hates them for all the moves that they've been making. Like, I, I get that. But help me out here a little bit. Like, don't slander Justin Holiday because the second-round picks are going to turn out to be something probably pretty decent because Memphis is garbage. Memphis is really garbage. Um, and I like Wayne Seldon. I'm on the Wayne Seldon bandwagon with you, man. I really like what he's showing
1: no look I, I he's, he's been really good and look to be honest with you even if those second rounders don't turn into anything and I certainly hope they do but in the rare event that they don't then I think even a Selden for Justin Holiday swap is a pretty fair one just in isolation as well and I'm actually quite confident that what we're seeing from Selden can remain and the reason why I say that, and to be honest with you, I didn't watch a ton of him in Memphis, so I can't necessarily, I have to plead ignorant on, on that part. But in terms of what he's been doing for the Bulls, he just seems like a guy who understands how to make the right play at the right time. And they're not necessarily big highlight plays, they're just basic plays that we would expect most NBA, NBA players to do. But given the roster that the Bulls are sort of running out there. Someone like Seldon just executing the most basic of plays and doing them consistently has got me so excited that it's actually quite embarrassing. (laughs) Uh, But like, take the Miami Heat game for for an example. Some of the passes he was making, he had eight assists in that game. Some of the basic passes that he was doing and he was just sort of showing that he could be not necessarily a primary creator or even a secondary creator, but someone that you could pass the ball to and at least be confident to that he can put the ball on the deck. And can make a play out of nothing. And, and just, even if that's just a basic play out of pick and roll, he had a pass, a nice pass to Bobby Portis where Portis screened for him. He rolled to the basket, Seldon dribbled towards the rim, and, and he was able to find him on the nice little, nice little, uh, pass there for, for Bobby Portis to score. And it's just little plays like that that we, we get excited about because we're not used to seeing, which is kind of sad. But those are the things that at least indicate to me that Seldon is someone that, is probably going to be a decent bench piece for this team and someone they should look to really resign for next season and not just let him go like they have with other players that they've been managed to find. And I'm, I'm thinking specifically about David Nwaba here, who was probably my favorite player last season. The Bulls are actually really good at finding these end of the bench guys or guys that can sort of fit into that rotation and maybe sort of, you know, the second or third guard off the bench. They're good at finding those players, but they let them go so easily. So, I'm hoping that's not the case with Seldon because I think he actually has a role here beyond this season.
0: Can we just mention how incredibly sad it is that we are sitting here talking about Wayne Seldon and I know in the (laughs) Dallas Mavericks are over there trading for Kristaps Porzingis. Like I know, like the the details of Kristaps Porzingis are like crazy, but still, like it just the matter-of-factness of the Chicago Bulls where we're at and we're talking about Wayne Seldon. Meanwhile, Luka Doncic is just going off and they're trading for Kristaps Porzingis. But like I, like you were saying, yeah. go back to Wayne Seldon <laughs> for just a second. Um, yeah. It is kind of crazy. David Nwaba last year, like, going from being waived from the Lakers and then picked up and looking like a really good piece for basically nothing. Same thing now with Seldon. I hope they don't get rid of him. And the thing about Seldon, too, is – he's willing to pass. Like, he's willing to do all of that. And that's something we haven't seen all season long for the, from the majority of the players on this roster. So that's what I really like. And the dude can actually hit threes, which we've seen basically none of that outside of marketing. So I appreciate that, too, from his game.
1: Yeah, and look t- to be honest with you, I had the Wayne Selden love at the end of the show. I had that in my rundown. I definitely had it marked down for later on the show. But typical <laughs> me, as a big Selden fan, has sort of found a way to sort of bring that up towards the front of the show. And it's hey, kind go of give embarrassing Uncle Anthony a
0: on Twitter. Do you know who Uncle Anthony is? He,
1: I don't. Uncle,
0: no. An- okay. Let me explain who Uncle Anthony is really quick. So yeah, go for it. When Wayne Selden was at Kansas, his uncle, Uncle Anthony was the guy that had the clock in the in the stands. You got to watch videos of him on YouTube and he had a clock of Wayne Seldon dunking on people and it was called Wayne Seldon Time and it was just a clock and he would go nuts for Seldon when he would dunk on people and it was it was this whole ESPN story that you used to do about him but he's a huge Kansas basketball fan. Uh the story's kind of died down since Seldon went to the NBA but still huge Kansas basketball fan and Wayne Seldon and his family have a bunch of basketball players in their family and a, and younger brothers and cousins in the ranks um but he's on Twitter he's got like 4 4000 5000 followers he doesn't tweet that often but he did tweet about Wayne um Going to like making his first start and then getting eight points in the first quarter, I think he tweeted about three or four days ago, but uh doesn't tweet that often, but did mention his first start uh for Wayne and then did mention about his eight points in the first quarter, so give him a follow. His story is pretty funny <laughs>
1: i'll i'll look him up after we're done after we're done here, but look like I said, I've sidetracked this show i had I had the Seldon stuff towards the back end, because I wanted to discuss the more, imp- more, uh, important or more pressing topics, which I know you've probably covered on locked on balls, and, and I don't necessarily want to have you rehash everything 100%, given that you guys obviously pump out the content, but I had to, I had to talk about Anthony Davis wanting no part of Chicago. So obviously the biggest news in the NBA right now, outside of that Chris Tapps deal, which I want to talk about later too, is the fact that Anthony Davis obviously wants out of New Orleans. He's not going to be signing an extension. He's asked for a trade. We we're thinking he wants the Lakers. But what was also made clear, or very clear, from Brian Windhorst of ESPN was that Anthony Davis wants no part of Chicago, which is his hometown team, obviously. And I think for a while there was, it was obviously never written anywhere or never said. It's it sort of, we well, maybe we wrongly assume, but... Maybe at one point, maybe the 2020 plan or something of that nature would be centered around Anthony Davis, maybe trading pieces, maybe getting him in uh, through free agency, whatever it may have been. I wouldn't have been surprised to see the Bulls at least try to be engineering their cap position to a point where they could maybe acquire um, Anthony Davis at some point. But for right now, we we know for sure that he wants no part of Chicago, so... I just wanted to get your thoughts about well, your initial thoughts of, of when this news filtered through. How did you sort of respond to the fact that Anthony Davis, a hometown kid, someone who is definitely within the right age bracket of where this rebuild is, he's only, be, he's only 25, going to be 26 soon. He's only maybe a year and a half older than Chris Dunn, so he's not that much older. But what was your initial thoughts about Davis just simply not wanting to play for the Bulls at all?
0: Not really that surprised. Um, given the position that the Bulls are in right now. You know, we, I, I, we try to explain to Bulls to a lot of Bulls fans, obviously, like, Bulls Nation, the ones that follow the NBA every single day, like, like you and I do and follow the Bulls every game, no matter how bad or how good they are. We kind of realize this, you know, everything that's going on with this team, the dysfunction, the front office, all of that. Like, any star in this league, why would they want to come to this? Like, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Even if you are here, and there's so many factors and so many layers to all of this. The one thing that I get from it, though, that gave, I think, a lot of Bulls fans this false hope is I go back to that video Rachel Nichols did with him. When was this? I think maybe back in the summertime. Remember that that short, like, five, seven-minute video she did with him? I think it was for The Jump or for ESPN where she did that walkthrough of, at the Bean, at the Memorial, and then did a few other spots in the city of Chicago, and it was all about how he loved this city and... You know, this is where I grew up and all of that. And it, it, it tugged at the, the heartstrings of all of us. And we're like, man, maybe, maybe he does really like this city and loves it. Maybe he does want to bring back the Chicago Bulls to prosper. And that was at a time where last year, for the most part, we all kind of felt like, hey, maybe, maybe they actually do kind of know what they're doing with this rebuild. Like maybe there is some false hope here. And then this year happened you know and then then everything had then then it, yeah. then it all fell apart so i'm not surprised and then if anthony davis wanted to come here he wouldn't have signed with clutch sports he would have signed with priority sports like there's one reason yeah um yeah. i'm not that surprised like if you want to if you want to win championships you're going to go play with the best player since michael jordan like that's that's obvious too and the other factor too is think about the way that chicago bulls fans have treated homegrown talents like the way that like there's always going to be a segment of of fans here that love derrick rose no matter what but think about the way that people turned on him think about the way that people have turned on jabari parker think about the way that people just turn on guys that that grow up here and think about the way that Dwayne wade was turned on here and look there's plenty of reasons why that that people turned on him and good reasons and bad for all of those guys um i'm just saying like there are reasons and Anthony Davis wants to win so i'm not surprised but it is it's a real punch in the gut to bulls fans who were holding out this hope and i just i can't believe that if that's what bull if that's what the front office was holding out their hopes for if that's really what they were looking for is Anthony Davis holding out the hope to get him and use all the cap space for him like that was a terrible plan and it just blew up in your face what are your thoughts on Anthony Davis though because You've, you haven't done a podcast in over a month, and I want to hear what you think over all of this.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, look, I I, I think the 2019 plan, which is what the free agency plan currently is, will probably roll into the 2020 plan or the 2021 plan as, as they continually do. The Bulls typically strike out. They sign some deals for one or two years, and then they sort of keep their cap space going in that sense. So that's where I was going with maybe the Anthony Davis potentially being a, a, an option for the Bulls down the road Obviously, that's not happening now, but I think what really hit me about this—the fact that Davis wanted no part of Chicago—which to your everything you sort of just articulated there—made complete sense. And I wasn't expecting Davis to want Chicago, but the fact that not only did Windhorst suggest and report that he'd not wanted to play in Chicago, later on that day, Windhorst went on TV, I believe, and said the Knicks were one team that were actually on his list, and. I was kind of prepared to give the Bulls the benefit of the doubt and say, well, look, they're, they're they're in a rebuilding situation. Why would Anthony Davis want to come to Chicago? They're clearly, after they trade for him, they're not going to be any better than what the Pelicans are. And he's obviously trying to escape a situation where a team is sort of just hovering around 500, barely making the playoffs, which is what they the Bulls would be after Davis... Uh, after the Bulls, rather, acquired Davis. So I kind of got it from that point of view. But then when I found out that Davis had the Knicks on his list, obviously we know he wants the Lakers, but the fact that the Knicks were even mentioned at all, that's what really, really struck a chord with me. And that's when I started wondering if it was more than just a guy not wanting to play for his his hometown team and whether it was maybe the perception of this franchise just in general, whether it's the the ownership, whether it's uh, management or even Jim Boylan, All these factors, whether that had played it, it played it sort of, um, played a a factor in in Davis not necessarily wanting to come to Chicago. And that's when I got into those real dark thoughts and thinking, if the bloody Knicks can get a mention here, how the hell can can the Bulls not get a mention in terms of Anthony Davis, a hometown guy, coming back to Chicago, even though the Knicks, the team that were once the laughing stock of the league, who I think the Bulls have now replaced, which maybe the Knicks have, have taken that mantle back after yesterday, but. I don't know, man. That was where my that was where my starts my thoughts started to go down that path because I started to worry. Why the hell are Knicks getting these calls with fridge? These sort of max level free agents to be. We're are sort of entertaining the idea of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, these sorts of players, potentially going to the Knicks, but we never hear these things about the Bulls at all. Given that, and and, and that's kind of weird. Given that the Knicks are sort of in the exact same position the Bulls are. In.
0: I just want to know when the Bulls are eventually going to be invited away from the kids table exactly when are we gonna stop when are we gonna stop being the team that is playing with the coloring books and and be invited to the adult table and have the conversation about about formulating a plan and you know having the adult conversations like that's what i feel like the bulls are doing you know coloring in in between the lines and and playing on the ipad and that's that's what we are we are doing I hate that. I hate that. And I just, I don't know what the explanation is. They they talk about all the time, like, they don't know what's, you know, NBA teams and coaches and players don't know what's going on in our building. And that's fine. Fine. Maybe, we, maybe none of us know what's going on in their building. But, you know, the guys that are in your building every day, Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, all your players... They've said all season long now without directly saying it. And some have, you know, there's been reports about players directly telling them like they started to say this now to the media. Like what, what is going to be the final straw here? What is going to be the final straw to finally make a change? Like, because if Boylan, like I obviously Boylan is a huge problem, but it goes beyond Boylan. Now I just, I don't know what the direction is, what the plan is. And, you know, it goes back to last year even, like even with, with pushing Boyle, uh, Anthony Davis to a, decide for a second, you know, maybe we were, maybe I was tricked and fooled, and I don't know about you, Mark, but trading Jimmy Butler for the pieces, I was fully on board for the rebuild, because I just think signing Jimmy Butler and doing that whole thing wasn't going to get you back to the finals. I just didn't. And I was ready to, to get to that point again, however long it was going to take. And all of last year, I felt pretty good. You know, the Bulls did make some mistakes, and the, the Nico Bobby thing happened, and that was a joke. Fine, but for the most part, I felt okay. I felt okay where where the Bulls were at. But this whole season has just reaffirmed everything Bulls fans and all of us had thought about the front office, about the organization, the dysfunction, and the culture of this team. And it basically puts us back to the exact spot we were June 2017 is there's no plan and there's no direction again and it makes me so angry for these players who who are now in year two who desperately need development and desperately need somebody to just come in and say to us we need direction we need a voice we need something and Zach Levine is the only guy right now like screaming it. And what is that going to take? Is that going to take him just basically going to the front office and like, guys, trade me. I'm done. I want out. I want to go somewhere else. So I don't know how you feel about all of this.
1: Well, I mean, it's it's funny that you, you brought that up. And, and not to toot my own horn here, but I, I had a piece on Bloggable sort of drop today about the fact that It seems like Zach Levine is not on board with Jim Boylan at all, and you can sort of just read that in his quotes, but you can also just view that in his body language whenever he's asked a question about Jim Boylan and just the team in general. He's sort of stuck and doesn't understand how a team like the Atlanta Hawks, as as an example, are able to play with pace, able to move the ball, able to be playing a modern style of basketball while the Bulls aren't. And, and, And the players are sort of dumbfounded. They're questioning why. They're not better than what they are right now, despite having a full roster for the first time in basically all season. So the players themselves don't know what's going on. Zach Levine is the one that's expressing it and he should be because he's probably the most recognizable name and face on this Bulls squad. And obviously that's all relative given that this is a rebuild and the team doesn't necessarily have a superstar on it. So who knows how much uh, weight Zach Levine's voice really carries, but I'm I'm totally on board with him calling out You know Jim Boylan as a start, let's say. Not that he's directly calling him out, but questioning the game plan, questioning why the Bulls are not able to execute in the same sense that a team like the Hawks do, who have sort of just, they're basically at the same position the Bulls are. They've sort of commenced their rebuild at the same time. They've got similar pieces in the sense that they're building around a point guard, shooting guard, and power forward in the same way that the Bulls did when they traded Jimmy Butler. But it just feels like the Hawks have gone past the Bulls so I'm all for Zach Levine calling out whoever he needs to call out, even if he is a flawed player, even if he is not necessarily a player who I'm wedded to the idea of him being here long-term. But I'm completely on board. And if it takes a disgruntled player to sort of put things on the agenda, then I'm all for it.
0: My question about Boylan more so than anything else is, you know, for for him to come in in the first two weeks and, and step on the gas the way he did... He he's reaping what he sowed, you know. He he did this to himself, and yes, this is his style, and he likes to present all of his resume. And the pulls across the chest thing, man, that makes me want to puke. That makes me want to (laughs) puke every time he says that, and all of this stuff. I always wonder, though, in the back of my head, how much is this actually being? Is the puppeteers pulling the strings too, you know? And how much is this boiling too? Like, this is a combination of both. But the thing that's most, most indicting to me is, where is Paxson Ben? You know, he was so free to speak the first two weeks and come to the media and talk and do his media rounds, but now he's let basically Boylan— he's, they've, they've taken a helicopter to the Pacific Ocean and dropped Boylan in the middle of the ocean among Bulls fans as sharks, no life vest, and let him drown. That's what they've done they've said nothing i can't even believe it i really can't i know that it would do no good and people would just tear them to shreds but i can't believe it i really can't believe that they haven't said a word to anybody or said anything about this disastrous month and a half that they've had it just it blows my mind
1: yeah i mean that's a fair point i I often get lost and and just isolate my not always, but I tend to go to Boylan first as to where I throw my anger at, and for good reason. He's the coach of the team. This we we follow the team day to day, not necessarily what management's doing day to day. So uh, that kind of makes sense. But uh, and in, in in terms of Anthony Davis, you know, when Boylan the thing that gets me really heated up. You mentioned what well, you know the the Boylan type quotes that annoy you, but the fact that he he came out and said that if a free agent doesn't want to be in Chicago, then he's not. He's the kind of player that the Bulls don't want anyway. I'm paraphrasing there, but are we to assume now that because Anthony Davis didn't want Chicago, that the Bulls never wanted Anthony Davis no, because that's what Gene Boylan word. sort yeah. of was hinting at? So that, that thing <laughs> annoys me, but what you just highlighted there is actually a good point because I haven't actually thought about it too much, but he has been left on an island somewhat. He's He's, he's obviously carrying the torch for management here. He's doing the things that they've obviously asked him to do. But they're not necessarily out there uh, visibly backing him in terms of him being their their coach or you know, coming out and being strong with what he's doing and supporting his message. So that's actually a good point. It's, it's probably something I haven't thought about too much, to be honest with you. We obviously heard about, a lot about Pax when the change happened, but we haven't heard much since. Maybe we do after the trade deadline. Maybe he does his rounds on, on, on a couple of sort of Chicago-based media spots at that point. But um, yeah, we haven't heard much about Pax, but let's let's talk about the trade deadline anyway, because we may hear from Pax at that point. But
0: I can tell you for sure they will. He you will.
1: He from PAX then, you reckon?
0: Yeah, he's gonna do media rounds. Um, I know for sure six seventy and ESPN one thousand is gonna hold is gonna have him on for sure. Uh, one six seventy for sure. Um, I'm I'm sure ESPN yeah. one thousand will get him, but I know for a fact that uh. Either, probably not on the 7th, but I would assume on the 8th, he will go on there. Um, yeah. Yeah, I did morning. hear from Parkins yeah. that they that he will be on.
1: Well, there you go. So, so we'll hear from Pac soon. So, I don't know if he's going to have much to say, to be honest with you, because I don't expect much to be happening at the trade deadline. So, I want to talk about Lonzo Ball in a second. And those are rumors that are sort of surrounding the Chicago Bulls, even though they're sort of linked to the Anthony Davis stuff. But let's start with their own guys first. Now, I had it here in my notes that maybe the Bulls could potentially trade Carmelo Anthony, but clearly after today, that's not happening. They've waived him. He'll be a free agent and the Bulls won't be getting anything for Mallow. But I guess the two other guys that have been sort of on the block all season is Robin Lopez and Jabari Parker, two two of the more expensive players on this roster. Both both are effectively expiring uh, expiring deals. The Bulls have said that they don't want to take on long-term money in terms of moving these guys. So I'm wondering if we're going to hear from Paxton at all in the sense of the Bulls have actually made a trade for Lopez or a Jabari Parker and actually got something back. That's what I'm thinking, but what are your thoughts? Do you think the Bulls will get anything for, for one of Lopez or Jabari Parker at the deadline?
0: Hmm... That's a good question. I don't think they're going to get anything for Robin. As good as he's played, Like, which is weird because like Jim Boylan has played him. and like The funny thing about him and Shaq Harrison is Jim Boylan is Boyalytics at its best is because the only stats Jim Boylan looks at is the category called Hustle Leader Stats in the Advanced Analytics categories <laughs> at an NBA.com. And Shaq Harrison and Robin Lopez come up in the top ten in the NBA in, like, deflections per 36 minutes jack harrison's in the top 10 robin lopez is in a bunch of different weird categories like it's just weird so um but no i don't think robin lopez is you're getting anything for him uh jabari parker's a different situation but it's so hard to match that 20 million dollars in salary so
1: yeah um, that's it
0: the best you can get is maybe like a second round pick for him like even then like I don't know if you're going to go out and get like they were saying like Ricky Rubio to Utah. But even then, like there's been rumors that maybe a deal between Memphis and Mike Conley might be on the table. So if that happens, then that's completely out. And I'm out on Darren Collison. Like, I don't like, I don't see how that's even productive in the least bit. So I don't know about you. What do you think about Robin Lopez and Jabari Parker? I don't think you can get anything that's worth it for either of those guys.
1: Yeah. And I, I think I think most teams are probably of the opinion that they they can get Robin Lopez as a buyout. Right. So, obviously, that is contingent on the Bulls buying out and agreeing to do that with Robin Lopez, and I hope for his sake they do do that, because he doesn't necessarily deserve to be put through this situation. Obviously, he's going to have a lot more playing time now that Wendell Carter Jr. is out injured, and obviously, the Bulls somewhat need a center. But at this point, the Bulls should be tanking. Why not just play Felicio and and Bobby Portis, as your sinners at this point. I mean, <laughs> Cristiano Felicio is still here for two more years at $8 million. Just give him a run at this point for the last 30, 25 games of the season and just get Lopez out of here. He's been an, uh, another professional the whole time he's been here. Just buy him out and allow him to get to Golden State or somewhere like that where he can compete for a title. So I'm assuming other teams are viewing him as a buyout candidate. So why would they bother offering up anything via a trade for Robin Lopez, and given his salary, the the Bulls aren't going to acquire much anyway, so just do him the solid and just buy him out. But Jabari Parker is someone who definitely can be traded and I think could be moved, assuming the Bulls actually want to take back a deal that sort of eats into their cap space for next season, but it doesn't look like they're going to do that. So that's where the problem really becomes an issue with Jabari, which he just pretty much highlighted, the fact that he's on a $20 million deal Trying to match salary where you get back twenty million dollars in expirings, it's not really possible in the sense that you're going to get back expiring plus some sort of asset with it as well. Like, why would any team do that? Why would they just? Why would they not just hold on to their own expiring deals? Jabari hasn't been good enough this season to say, "All right, I'm going to trade him as a player." He's probably better served as a an expiring deal he has more value as an expiring deal than his actual basketball performance. At least that's my opinion, but. I don't know. I'm of the opinion that the Bulls should be really thinking about what the Mads did uh, yesterday, where they effectively took themselves out of the free agency, uh, out, out of free agency for 2019, where they took back contracts for Tim Hardaway and Courtney Courtney Lee in order to get Kristaps Porzingis. So they they're not going to be players in free agency. But I think the Bulls should be doing something similar, where they look to trade Jabari Parker, take on some salary back. Take yourself somewhat out of 2019 free agency, but get back some sort of asset. Now, I'm not suggesting they land someone like Kustaps Porzingis because that's probably not going to happen or someone of equivalent value, but if they can get a decent mid-first-round pick for taking on a bad contract and then you know reaching a buyout agreement with that player, next season, that is, then why not do that rather than just going through the charades of going through free agency again and just finding some random role player who may or may not help like like pretty much what Jabari was. So... I don't expect Jabari to be moved because I don't expect can the. Can you balls... think of anybody
0: off the top of your head that's out there?
1: <sighs> I'd have to think about it. I have to think. I'm thinking more picks more so than players because I don't think I don't think teams are probably going to be doing something similar to what to what we saw yesterday in terms of getting rid of someone as high value as Pozingas. Maybe you could get like a former first round pick who hasn't necessarily made it in his current situation, but they, those sorts of players don't necessarily interest me too much. I'm I'm thinking more. Just just acquiring a pick, maybe one that can be sort of being in that, let's call it the 12th, sort of 18 range, somewhere in there. Take on a bad contract, eat you know $15 million of your cap, your cap space and acquire another pick um, that can help you along with you in 2019 first that you're going to have yourself. So that's, that's more where I'm positioning what a Jabari Parker deal should look like. But in saying all that, I don't think it's going to happen because I don't see the Bulls taking back long-term money for Jabari. So I expect him to be a potential buyer candidate too.
0: Yeah. The only thing that frustrates me about this is, you know, reading through a lot of draft experts and, you know, people who study this and just college basketball people that I've talked to, they say like the the draft is, is a lot weaker than the last three drafts and the bulls not being players and doing that in the previous three years. And, you know, it's frustrating that they, they don't do that. And I, I agree with you. Like if they're, like taking on bad salaries, what they should be doing and getting those picks, I w- I would want them to do that, or either or go out and get a young player um, who's buried on a bench. You know, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Matt and I were arguing about Fon Maker, but that's that's besides the point. I don't even care about Fon Maker at this point. But um, I was thinking about like the Suns, even like the Suns have so many so many wings. That I don't even know what they're doing with all of those guys. Like that's just one case. Like go to a team that has a million different players that they've got buried um, and try to try something, make calls, um, just just be creative, I guess. But yeah. The Bulls, uh, I guess that's where we get stuck again. Is the Bulls are not
1: creative sometimes. Exactly. So,
0: most of the time, but um, I agree with you on that
1: a potential example that just come to mind and not necessarily about a player that I think the Bulls should target, but just a deal that's happened in the past that pretty much sums up what I'm sort of suggesting here is the fact that the Brooklyn Nets went out and got D'Angelo Russell, who obviously is a, he's not necessarily a second contract guy for them just yet, but it, but he potentially will be, but he was a guy that the Lakers gave up on after his second season, or I'm pretty sure it was his second season, maybe even his first season, whatever it was, they gave up on him quickly. and And, for somewhat good reasons. Obviously, he was a flawed player, wasn't necessarily showing what they thought they wanted to see from him. But the Nets took on a bad contract in Timofey Mozgov, if I'm not mistaken, in getting back D'Angelo Russell. So if the Bulls are able to sort of take or trade away Jabari Parker, get back in a bad contract, maybe someone like Chandler Parsons or Evan Turner or someone like that where they've got one more year on a bad deal, And in in doing so, they get back a young player who hasn't necessarily been able to make it on his current team. Or if it's not that young player, maybe it's a nice little pick. And that's what I'm thinking about. I think that's going to be a much better use of their cap space than signing, I don't know, Terrence Ross for a three-year $21 million or $24 million deal or something of that nature. I don't... don't See the real point of that, I think they should be in asset accumulation mode, totally agree but exactly for the reason you suggested before, this rebuild has gone backwards with you know had it been going forward and that'd be progressing, then I'd be totally on board with this uh, model of sort of supporting all this team with a you know a bunch of of role players in the off season but this rebuild has gone backwards, and we we're, we're not feeling as strongly as as we did about it before, like as an example, Chris Dunn the perception of him right now versus where he was last season. We're feeling completely different about Chris Dunn. We're sort of starting to think now, well, maybe the Bulls don't have an option at point guard. Maybe that comes in the draft this season or in 2019, but what happens if it doesn't? Then you've got a whole of point guard. So accumulating more picks and more assets to sort of get in those younger players, then I'm all for that at the moment rather than trying to take a swing in 2019 for agency because I don't think the team's anywhere near ready given how bad this rebuild has gone in year two.
0: I agree with you. And looking at the draft too, depending on where the Bulls land, you know, if they don't get the number one pick, which the lottery odds are completely different, you know that as well as I do. But that's the frustrating thing about this is Point guards are so hard to find. Good point guards are so hard to find. Every team that is meddling at the bottom end of the NBA is desperately looking for a good point guard. Um, teams that do have them that are fun, that are kind of on the rise, do have pretty decent point guards or have a point have a guard that's leading their team. You know, you look at the Sacramento Kings who are a lot of fun this year. They've got De'Aaron Fox. You look at Dallas. They, they have Luka Doncic. Who, and they had Dennis Smith Jr. before that, who's leading their team. Um, I even look at, like, the Utah Jazz. They've got Donovan Mitchell, and before that they had, like, Ricky Rubio doing that sort of style. Like, there are cases, but then you look at the bad teams who have been desperately looking for somebody. Like, they, like the Phoenix Suns, for example, been looking for a point guard forever. Um, and now they've been so desperate that they've been trying to use Devin Booker in that role, and they're still looking for a point guard. Um, my point being here, though, is you're right. Like, are we really in a position to go out in free agency this year? And I was looking at the point guards now. Outside of Kemba Walker, who else is available to really fill that role? Like, yes, you can bring in veteran point guards, but like, there there is nobody to come in here and start on this team, or that's going to want to start on uh, on a bad Bulls team and help you develop for multiple years. There's just there's not. So. It's going to be tough if, if you don't get the number one pick and take Zion. Like, I would rather take another wing because this, this draft is at least loaded with combo, combo guards or wings as opposed to just John Morant. Like John Morant might be a really good player, but we've needed a wing for a very long time. And, and, and John Morant might be a really great player, but there's a lot of risk in taking a guy from Murray State that's played in the Ohio Valley Conference. That's where my biggest worry is with him. I don't know about how you feel about his game.
1: I feel exactly the same way, and look, the the Bulls haven't had much luck with Murray State point guard, so I'll I'll, I'll happily admit that yep. that scars me somewhat, um, and, and maybe I shouldn't I should Isaiah
0: Cannon and campaign
1: exactly, so um, uh, maybe I shouldn't be using their failures and projecting them onto Ja Morant. That that's probably not fair on my behalf, but I can't mm-hmm. help but I help I can't help but go there, but. Yeah, I don't know if he's necessarily the answer. He's probably the best point guard option at the boy, at the moment in this draft based on where we're sort of sitting here today. But if for whatever reason he's taken before the Bulls pick, then what's what's the other solution? Which is why, looping back to these Alonzo Ball rumors, they're somewhat intriguing to me because Ball, in a lot of ways, is similar to that Russell suggestion, which I, I pointed out a little bit earlier in the sense that, <laughs> one, he's a point guard from LA who was taken pick two. So there's obviously a direct synergy there, but... If they are dealing ball to the Pelicans, or or maybe the Bulls can get involved in an Anthony Davis trade—not not for Davis, but for for Ball—maybe that's something they should really look be looking into doing. Because, like I said, Chris Dunn—I don't know about you, Jordan—but I'm sort of as close to be on as close to being uh, out on the guys I possibly can without necessarily going the full way. I I still somewhat believe in him. I still want to make sure. I don't necessarily give up on him too early because I think there's still a play there within him and I guess I'm having a tough time this season trying to work out who should be part of this rebuild and who shouldn't be because there's, there's clearly guys have regressed under, under Jim Boylan but the fact that Boylan, the way that the team is playing under him, it, it's, a, it's a caveat that I just can't get past that Chris Dunn made noticeable strides under Fred Hoiberg last season. I, to me at least, he's gone backwards this season. And I'm having a tough time sort of trying to separate, all right, how much of that is Chris Dunn not necessarily being the player that I hoped he'd be versus Chris Dunn operating in a system that's not really conducive to actually developing at all. So I'm sort of going between those two mindsets and and sort of balancing between that. And I I don't know what the answer is at the moment, but I'm, I'm close to out on Chris Dunn, which is why this Lonzo Ball rumor, whilst I obviously don't expect it to come, come true at the trade deadline because I'm not necessarily expecting Anthony Davis to be moved at the trade deadline but this Lonzo Ball rumor that he potentially wants out um, if he's dealt to the Pelicans that is he he would like a trade maybe to, to a team like the Knicks or the Bulls a team that doesn't have an established point guard then that's intriguing to me because he's kind of exactly the type of player which I mentioned before in terms of what the Bulls should be targeting either a a young player who's been on a previous team who hasn't necessarily made it who may need a, a new and uh a new opportunity and he's someone that could actually fill the hole that the Bulls may have at point guard if Chris Dunn doesn't sort of turn around and make something of his career at this point
0: so let's I'll start at Chris Dunn and then I'll go to Lonzo Ball the thing about Chris Dunn and man I've liked Chris Dunn a lot I I felt exactly what you said about him last year so you know the, there's multiple layers to him, and what I've tried to to explain to a lot of Bulls fans, you know, that have been out on him this year. Bulls fans have been really tough on him, and I get it. I get it. Like he's been bad, mostly bad this season, and that the month of January was awful. Was awful. Um, take into account all the injuries that uh, Chris Dunn has had, just with the Bulls. There was, what, five, six injuries Chris Dunn has has dealt with in his career with the Bulls just in 18 months? That's a lot of injuries to deal with. You factor that in, not being consistent, not playing consistent minutes with guys on this team constantly in and out of the rotation. Like you had mentioned, too, how many times did Chris Dunn cite Fred Hoiberg as the guy that got his confidence back? And, like, people want to shrug that off and laugh that off. That means something to an NBA player. That means something to a young guy. We can't just shrug that type of thing off. And sure, Fred Hoiberg is not the savior of the Bulls, fine. But that means something to a guy that's trying to establish himself. Okay, let's take that for something. Next, how about that that report, that weird report we got in the summer about Chris Dunn's work ethic being questioned by the front office? Whether Whether you want to say that that was true or not, Still, that might have had an effect on him as well. Let's factor in also the, the fact that Chris Dunn knew with the back of his mind that his contract was coming up. What gets you paid in the NBA making buckets? As much as we made fun of Jabari this summer about going on the radio literally 24 hours after he signed that $20 million deal and saying I don't, NBA players don't get paid to play defense, he is 110% right. He is. We'll get Marcus Smart's deal. Dude plays pretty solid defense, but he didn't get paid nearly the money Jabari did. It's just, it's facts. It is. It's facts. So, as, as much as we want to criticize that, Chris Dunn had that in the back of his mind. He goes, oh, crap. You know, I play good defense, but I got to get buckets. I got to prove to people that I can score in this league and play defense if I want to get paid. So, he comes back, plays one game. And by the way, he had a kid, too, right before the start of the season. Comes back for one game. Has a knee injury. that setting him, him back. Comes back. The Fred Hoiberg firing happens. Has to play under Boylan. All of this happens and it stacks up. The confidence goes away. People are harping on Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn can't find his shots. He's not developing. Things are starting to boil over. And I just I, just, I, I find a little bit of sympathy in Chris Dunn. And I'm trying to add all these pieces up. And when you you put all of that together, it makes sense why Chris Dunn has kind of regressed. And I know people go back to his rookie year, too, and say, like, he had an abysmal rookie year. Like, that's fair. That's fair to say. But at the same time, like, we kind of knew. We kind of knew that he wasn't a great offensive player. And go back even to high school. And I go back to reports and things that Casey Johnson told me and, and other beat reporters that have talked to Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn builds his game off of confidence, and he has had zero, zero confidence all year long. And maybe that's what we've got to point to, is Chris Dunn has had zero confidence. And maybe, maybe it is. Maybe this is is the real Chris Dunn. Maybe that's what it is. But I think I've added all that up and said that the pressure has gotten to him, and the confidence is at an all-time low, and he's been worried about getting paid and Maybe there's things going on off the court, too, that nobody knows about. Zach Levine mentioned a few weeks ago in a, in an interview, said he's dealing with some personal issues as well. Just casually dropped that in after a post game. Like, all of this stuff adds up, too. So I feel bad for Chris Dunn, but you're right. At some point, we've got to say, like, there, there has to be a breaking point. And when is that? I don't know. And that's up to the Bulls' front office. So I agree. Uh, sorry that was so long, but... Like, no, that's we fine. We lay out the facts about. Go ahead.
1: No, I was just gonna. I was just gonna add to what you suggested, is, and to sort of sympathise for Chris Dunn because I definitely do have that for him. The Bulls haven't supported him at all with any sort of veteran leadership in terms of that point guard position. This is a guy who's learning to play the point guard position, but he doesn't have anyone really to sort of turn to and and someone to mentor him there. And that's why for not just this season but even last season I was harping on about it on my show here. That the Bulls have done a disservice not only to Dunn, but even guys like Larry Markin and Wendell Carter Jr. by not having a veteran point guard on this roster, because that's a guy that Chris Dunn could turn to and to someone to show him or, or someone to teach him the art of being an NBA point guard. But who is he meant to turn to at the moment? To to Cameron Payne or or Shaq Harrison or Ryan know These sorts of guys who are lesser players than him, guys that don't have any more experience than what he has. How is he meant to learn how to be an NBA point guard when he's got real no no real sort of mentor on this roster to help him through that? And that's why I really wanted the Bulls to to find that that sort of backup point guard who was a veteran presence who could help him and the and the big forwards that the Bulls do have. But that's another reason why I think Chris Dunn potentially may be a failure here in Chicago. And whilst he obviously has to own a percentage of that, I, I do and remain critical about how the Bulls have handled his situation and it sucks because he was probably the player on this roster more than anything that I wanted to succeed more because he's that two-way player. If you're a two-way player and you play hard defense, you you immediately have my love, which is why Wayne Seldon is one of my favorite players on this roster right now. And I won't, I won't necessarily divert the conversation again back to Seldon, but I really wanted the Dunn to succeed, but at some point, like you said, you have to draw the line and maybe that line comes at the trade deadline or in the offseason and, and maybe the answer to that is Lonzo Ball. It's probably not, but... Maybe it is. I I don't know. But, I mean, just to wrap up this little segment here about the trade deadline, it, it doesn't sound like there's going to be much movement. But from your end, at least, you're not expecting the Bulls to be doing much.
0: Yeah, I do like, though, to touch on Lonzo Ball really, really quick. Um, I do like the idea of maybe potentially moving for Lonzo Ball. Uh, the only thing that does concern me a little bit is the fact that uh, his three-point shot isn't all that great. The numbers yeah. there aren't fantastic. Uh, no, the, free the free throw, throw shot throw is abysmal as well. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that that does concern me a little bit. But like like I've mentioned, the defense he's he's a pretty damn good defender. Um, his court vision is insane. Um, basketball IQ is pretty is pretty pretty good. Um, I think playing him alongside Zach Levine and having Lowry Markin on the court can open up a ton. Um, but yeah, it goes back to the same thing. Is like. Pairing a guy like that next to Zach Levine and Lowry Markkinen and also being only twenty-one years old and having some control under that guy, that might that might be a solution there, you know? And his value right now with the Lakers is at an all time low for a number two pick. The thing is, is we've never had we haven't had a point guard that can shoot threes, and that's a huge problem with this Bulls team right now. And if we're thinking in terms of future Boylan's not going to be here. I think ninety nine percent of Bulls Nation know that Bo- that Boylan's uh, not
1: going to be here, and let's hope so.
0: And the one percent is the front office.
1: That's probably a good way to sum it up. And ho- hopefully, hopefully, he's not. But look, I appreciate you coming on, man. This is probably a good position to uh to end the podcast anyway, given that we're not expecting much to happen at the trade di- trade deadline. But who knows? Maybe something does happen. Maybe Paxson goes on radio next week's and 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 talks us through a deal that happened for for Jabari Park or Robin Lopez or, you know, who knows, maybe even Lonzo Ball. But look, I appreciate you jumping on your first appearance on Balls HQ. I I appreciate you uh, coming on, man. Really do.
0: Absolutely. Let's cross our fingers that maybe, maybe they got, I, I don't know. I guess we're just, we're we're just grasping at straws here. Let's cross our fingers that something does happen. And, uh, you know, these last 30 games, they can't, uh, they can't play themselves fast enough. Um, let's yeah. hope Zach gets some help to help this summer and, uh, let's pray nobody else gets hurt either. Let's knock on some wood. Thanks for having me on too, Mark. Uh, we got to get you on Locked on Bulls as quick as possible. And, and uh, you know, I don't know what, you, what Fred's, what's going on with Fred either, but uh, has he been, has he been as, as positive as he was at the start of the season or is he going a little bit insane?
1: I don't know about Fred. We, Fred and I haven't had a podcast for a while, so I haven't had a chance to speak <laughs> to him for, for quite a while, apart from Twitter. But uh, I think he goes through stages himself where he's up and down, up and down. But yeah, depends on, on depends how things are going. I think if the Bulls are on a four-game losing streak, he's probably down in the dumps just like most people are, maybe even harder yeah. than most people. But you know, if they have a random win like they did against the Heat, then suddenly the Bulls are back and the big red Leviathan is just <laughs> ready to rip through every every other team in the league. So... I don't know about Fred. I I, uh, I question his sanity sometimes, but he's all over the place at the moment. Yeah, I'll have to speak to him soon though.
0: Thanks, Mark, again for having me on.
1: Yeah, no problems, man. I appreciate it. And uh, fingers crossed, if we don't have a trade uh, for one of the the main guys, maybe we can get another trade for uh, some cash considerations. That would be nice. Um,
0: I would. I I would not be surprised one
1: single bit. <laughs> not not at all. But uh, we'll end on that note, Jordan. Thanks again, mate. But before you go, just plug your show, plug your uh, your Twitter handle, all that sort of stuff.
0: You can find us at Locked On Bulls five days a week, Monday through Friday. We do an episode covering Bulls games recaps, everything. We do voicemail, text messages to 331 You can follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley and at Locked on Bulls. Find us there. Hit us up Monday through Friday. Show every single day. Uh, Daily Chicago Bulls podcast. Mark, thanks again. You're the best. Uh, keeps looking through these Chicago Bulls bad days. I'm hoping that there's better days to come.
1: Yeah, me too, man. And hopefully there's not another month off here before I uh, do my next show, but that'll be dependent <laughs> on the Bulls. But in in that in my absence, I'm sure you and Matt have got me covered anyway. But um, yeah, thanks again, man.
0: I appreciate it. Thanks, thank you too.
1: So thanks to Jordan from Locked On Bulls for jumping on the show. I definitely appreciate him coming on to Bulls HQ for his first appearance. And thank you guys for listening into this episode. And look, I, I want to p- apologize again for being away for such a long absence, but. I, I'm tipping you probably understand why I was. And, you know, obviously it wasn't great of me to be, you know, spending a month on the sidelines, but I just needed a bit of a refresh, a mental refresh from this team, which again, I, going back to my initial question that I asked Jordan, I have no idea how he and Matt sort of can podcast about this team every day. They're much, uh, they're mentally tougher than me. I'll, I'll put it that way. But look, I appreciate you guys joining me on this episode of Bulls HQ. Hopefully they're back and more regular going forward. Fingers crossed that that is the case. But like I said, I'm getting married soon. So there will be a, probably in a month or so, I'll I'll probably be away for a couple of weeks then whilst I'm I'm actually getting married, which is quite quite a significant move on my part. I actually feel like an adult at the moment, but uh, there will be a period there in March where I won't be around. So I probably should stick around for February at least and do a weekly show. But as always, be on the lookout for the show. You'll find it on all the usual places. But until next time, this has been Bulls HQ. Thank you for listening and I'll speak to you all again soon. Oh.